These past two weekends, I've had the privilege of serving at Nanus Bay Pentecostal Camp, and it was such a joy to be able to see first kids on that first weekend and then preteens last weekend meet with God, including some of the kids right here from Evangel Church in Powell River. And Pastor Marcus um, is at camp with one of our teens this weekend, like right now as we're speaking, and so cover them in prayer. But there's one downside to serving at a New Spray Pentecostal camp, and that is the water. Despite the filtration system that they have in place there, the water still kind of tastes a little off. And I'm gonna argue that it's like doubly bad for us from Pell River because we have such great tasting water. And so at the end of my first day at camp, I was wondering why my neck was just like so tense and it just felt like it was, like all the muscles were seizing. And then I realized that I hadn't actually had any water. I had had coffee, I had had orange juice and pink lemonade, but just a good old glass or bottle of water I hadn't had. And it really is amazing the difference that a well hydrated body um, has versus a body that's dehydrated. But here's the thing, I didn't want to drink the water. I knew what it tasted like and it's not lovely. It tastes a little bit like egg and I knew I was thirsty, but I just went around the water and tried to, to substitute it with other things. Even though I knew that that water was what I needed, even though I knew that it was gonna give me relief from these muscles that were seizing, from, from the kind of brain fog that was setting in, I still resisted it. And this morning, we're gonna be looking back into John chapter seven as Jesus is calling to this crowd and he's echoing um, this, this physical need spiritually. And just like I wanted to resist drinking the water, this crowd is resisting Jesus' spiritual call to living water. See, when we come to Jesus and we drink deep of that living water, there is a cost. It requires us to surrender. It, it requires us to filter our actions and our desires through Jesus. There's a cost when it comes to drinking deep of spiritual water and it can be easy to resist. Even when we know that when we drink deep of it, we will find life and restoration and fullness just like we do when we drink physical water. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to John chapter seven. John chapter seven, and if you don't have a Bible, that's okay, we'll help you get one. Just head on over to myevangel.church forward slash Bible. And there are some links there to the app store as well as a form if you're in Powell River where we could get you a paper Bible. But head on over to John chapter seven, and if you don't have a Bible, myevangel.church forward slash Bible. And we're gonna start at verse 25 and read through down to 53, so hang in there with me. At that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Here he is speaking publicly and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah? But we know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, yes, you know me and you know where I'm from. I'm not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him because I am from him and he sent me. At this, they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. 
Still, many in the crowd believed him, and they said, When the Messiah comes, will he perform more signs than this man? The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent the temple guards to arrest him. Jesus said, I am with you for only a short time, and then I am going to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will he go where our people live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, You will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am you cannot come? On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, Surely this man is the prophet. Others said, He is the Messiah. Still others asked, How can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and Pharisees who asked them, Why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards replied. You mean he has deceived you also, the Pharisees retorted? Have any of the rulers of the, or of the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, Does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Look into it and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. Then they all went home. Let's pray. So God, we thank you that um, you took what this crowd knew and you used it to reveal yourself. And so I pray this morning that you would reveal yourself to us, that you would take my words and you would allow those that are just mine just to float away. But would you speak, God, so that you could reveal yourself in what we know, that as you invite us to streams of living water, that you would remind us of the difference physical water makes and that we would be able to understand deeper who you are and the difference you make in our lives through that. In your precious name, amen. Well, we're really going to zoom into verses 37 to 40 because the rest is kind of this continuation of this argument that we've been looking at for the past few weeks of these people once again having this struggle of where they're going to place Jesus. Like, is he a man? Is he a prophet? Is he God? And they don't really know where to place him. They're not really sure to do what to do with a man who claims to be the son of God. And the same arguments that we've been looking at for the past few weeks are here once again because they're arguing. We know where he comes from and we're not supposed to know where he comes from. He's supposed to come from Bethlehem, which by the way, he did. Um, and we know where Jesus where his family of origin came from. We know his family and he's from Galilee and all of these things. And Jesus once again reiterates, like, you know, you've seen me grow up, but you don't know where I'm really from. You don't really understand who I am. You're not really understanding my true origin. And so again, we've been looking at all of these things for a few weeks, but I want to zoom in right here on this middle portion of this verses 37 to 40. 
and look at something else because these arguments all kind of stem from this larger problem. And this larger problem is a f that the arguments are forming this resistance to the pull of Jesus, right? People are drawn to him because he's speaking truth because he is God. And the answers have been given. Jesus has given them answers. The arguments and the motives underneath them have been uncovered. Jesus has been doing that. And so these aren't honest questions anymore. These aren't people who are looking uh, for truth. These arguments now are in the, the line of resistance and excuses. So they're feeling this pull and, and rather than giving in to see the truth, they've just decided this is now my argument and this is now my excuse. All of the answers have been provided if they wanted truth, but they don't. And so this crowd, some of them, especially the Pharisees and the Sadducees, are resisting this need to surrender to Jesus. They're resisting the humility that's required to hear and believe the words of Jesus. See, the reality is that I don't want to be lacking. I don't want to be found wanting. And I don't think that any of us want to be seen as less than. We don't want to be found um, as not enough. We all want to put our best foot forward. That's a pretty universal desire. We all want to be seen as competent. We all want to be seen as whole, right? None of us want to be broken. None of us want to be found wanting. But coming face to face with Jesus is also coming face to face with our lack. It's coming face to face with the fact that we need someone to save us. It's coming face to face with the fact that we're all broken and sinful people. And that's a really hard truth to swallow. Coming face to face with our sin and our brokenness and our not enough is uncomfortable. It's a place that none of us want to willingly go to. And just like that crowd, these just like the religious leaders that were there, coming face to face with my own need invites so many excuses to pop up, right? Well, that's not really sin. That's just my personality. Oh, you just misunderstood me. I didn't um, intend to hurt you. And we have all of these excuses that can spring up into our mind and I can so easily reason away or justify my own brokenness, my own sin, my own wrongdoings that I minimize my need for Jesus, just like this crowd is doing. They're feeling the pull, but they're putting excuses up to keep them from having to surrender. But this moment, it's not a mistake. See, Jesus is here at the Festival of Booths or maybe the Feast of Tabernacles in your um, Bible. And Pastor Lucas went into this in some detail last week. But each day of this festival, a priest would go and he'd take a golden pitcher and he would go down to the Pool of Siloam and he'd dip the pitcher in. And as he carried it back to the tabernacle, they would recite Isaiah 12, 3. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And then they would pour it out as an offering to God as the Levitical choir would sing Psalms 113 to 118. And we're not going to read them all because that would be way too long. But I encourage you to go and look at these Psalms that are this beautiful cry for salvation and see what they were singing as they poured out this water before God. 
and see the correlation between the celebration um, of, of the provision and the, the faithfulness of God and who Jesus was revealing himself as. Because it's so beautiful. This moment is not a mistake. God knew exactly what he was doing. And so this moment, as they're thanking God for the water, because remember, this is all kind of tied into the harvest um, and God's provision and recognizing that we can't have harvest, we can't have growth unless we have water, right? I mean, sun, we need sun, we need soil, we need seed, but without water, nothing flourishes. It all dies and there's no growth without water. And so this is where Jesus stands and he stands at this pool with this water in the background and he declares, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Now, coming home from camp this past weekend, we had some of our preteen boys join us, including my son, Ethan. And as we were driving home in the car, we were talking about like, what's the first thing you're gonna do once you're home? And both of us said, we just want a large glass of water, Powell River tap water, nothing fancy. We just want a glass of delicious water because we were so thirsty. Now we had learned from the last weekend and we had brought some flats of water for, for our team who were volunteering as well as our three boys who were camping. Um, and it just wasn't quite enough. Like we were all great at going when we were thirsty to grab a water bottle, but it wasn't the same as when you just go and fill up a tap, a glass of tap water whenever you were thirsty. And so we needed water. That was the first thing we were gonna do when we got home, we recognized our need for it. We recognize our deep thirst. And that is the first step. Jesus is saying, come to me, anyone who's thirsty. That recognition of our, of our thirst is the first step, it's a tongue twister, to finding Jesus. Let anyone who's thirsty, let anyone who's lacking, let anyone who's broken, let anyone who's less than. The first step is to, in humility, recognize that that isn't something to shy away from. That that is who we all are. The person who looks like they have it all together is just as broken as I am. Needs Jesus just as much as I do. And coming to the place where I look at that and I don't look at it as something that is needing to be um, overcome. Like I need to be good enough. I need to be perfect to come before God. But to recognize in humility that that is the only way. Is that I am broken. That I am less than. That without him I can never be whole because I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's the first step to finding Jesus, to recognize in humility, I'm thirsty. I am so thirsty, I'm so dry. And despite my best efforts, I'm still lacking, right? Like at camp when I just didn't drink water, despite the coffee, despite the pink lemonade, despite the orange juice, it wasn't enough because what my physical body needed was just water, just water. Nothing else added to it, even though coffee is amazing. I needed just water. 
And like that, when I'm thirsty in my spirit, I can try to substitute good things. I can try to just sleep more. I can try self-care. I can, I can try all of these things when my thirsty spirit says, what I need is just water. I need living water. And left to our own wants and desires, we are going to keep going in our brokenness. We're going to hurt ourselves. We're going to hurt other people. And so the first step is to humbly acknowledge, God, I am broken. I am thirsty. I am dry. I am not enough. And I need you. I need that living water because where that living water is, that's where life is. Where that living water is, that's where healing is. Where that living water is, that's where sustenance is. That's where provision is. That's where grace comes from. That's where love that's not having strings attached or holding anybody to a standard that they can't attain. That's where it is. It's in the living water of Jesus. And unless we come humbly before God, if we come in haughty and arrogant, we're going to miss it like the Pharisees. Unless we come in humbly, recognizing that we are dry and thirsty and what we need is Him, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss it. And we'll fill it with all sorts of things that will never satisfy. They'll never keep us full and full of life. But the living water, the streams of living water, as Jesus told the Samaritan woman, will never be thirsty again. Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And when we do humble ourselves, we do find life. We find that living water. We find a God who's waiting and desiring to restore the dry places in our lives. Just like I mentioned, that Samaritan woman at a well who was ostracized, who was on the outskirts of, of society. And, and what does Jesus promise? Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And when we drink deep of this water, it satisfies and restores the deepest part of our spirit. And in the same way that Jesus used the analogy of bread to talk about how he will nourish and he'll provide, and if we don't partake, if we don't participate in what he's doing, if we don't um, allow him to fill that void within us, if we're just near him but not eating, right? He's using this analogy, this symbolism to speak of our relationship with him. He's doing the same thing here with the water. He's saying that once you drink deep of me, think of all the things that, that we can do with water. There's, there's fulfillment. There's relief. There's life there, right? We can't actually go longer without food than we can without water. But there's also cleansing. There's also healing as we're able to to wash out cuts and sores. There's so much that is here in this analogy of water. Jesus is saying, I bring life to all of you. I bring healing to all of you. I bring restoration to all of you. Now, one interesting thing about uh, the original writings in the Bible is that they're actually done with very little punctuation. Uh, both the Hebrew and the ancient Greek languages did have some uh, punctuation or they were able to put 
um, different spaces here and there that linguists could later use to translate into different languages like ours has quite a bit of punctuation. But it, yeah, Hebrew and Greek obviously are very different than English. And so they were done with very little punctuation. Now, again, we don't translate in a bubble. We translate with other linguists, with other scholars who, who help us to make sure that we've got the proper translation, the proper usage of, of words based on the original meaning. But verse 38 is actually one that is very heavily debated with two meanings and scholars and linguists are pretty split on the meanings. And so based on where the punctuation should go, it will change the meaning to one of two things. Now they're not like, one's gonna be heretical and one's gonna be correct. You can see why this is, is split in just a second. So here are the two meanings. So first, when we believe in Jesus, when we drink deep of him, living water flows out from within us, that the Holy Spirit fills us and we, through him, are a, a spring or a well of living water. And then within, with interactions with people who love Jesus and who are being constantly filled by the Holy Spirit, living water spreads out through us, through the vessel, to society, or to living water flows from Jesus, and anyone who believes in him has access forever to this spring of living water to come and drink deep of it. That the, the living water is in Jesus, but we have access to him and therefore are full of living water. And I think this is where humility needs to walk back into the room. So if you remember back to the beginning of our series in John, we were talking about um, Jesus being the light of the world, that he is the source of light and we reflect his light around us. Kind of like how the moon reflects the light of the sun and still gives a glow, still illuminates um, wherever we can see the moon. Uh, it's not light in itself. It's not a source of light. It just reflects the light of the sun. And we are not a source of light even when we come to Jesus, but rather we are receptors of that light that we are able to have the Spirit of God living within us and he gives out light. We just reflect him like the moon. Likewise, I think this is where humility walks into the room with this verse, verse 38. Whichever two of these are accurate, it doesn't really change it if we recognize that the source of water is not us. The source of water is the Spirit of God. Then it doesn't really matter if the source of water is bubbling up from within us or if the source of water is one that we have to go into the presence and proximity of God to access. The problem comes if we somehow get an inflated sense of self where we think that now that we believe in Jesus, we are something special, that we have living water and people should come to us to drink deep of this living water. That puts us in a place that only God should be because the Holy Spirit is the one 
who is going to provide this living water to the world. And so, regardless of which one uh, John had, had actually meant when he wrote this manuscript, doesn't really matter if we recognize in humility that the Holy Spirit is the one who is living water. If we recognize that whether he creates that spring within us or he invites us into proximity, into his presence, and we are filled up within him, we're still vessels of the water. We still are nothing special on our own, but God within us is what is going to spill out in interactions with the world around us. And so we still need to walk humbly before our God. We still need to stay connected to the one who is life. We still need to stay connected to Jesus because he is living water. So how are you feeling? How's your spirit doing? Coming out of two weeks of camp, I am feeling a little dry. I need the restoration and life that comes from drinking deep of the living water. How about you? It's been a long like season and it's, it felt like a long summer too of trying to catch up on all of the things that we haven't been able to do for so long. And maybe you're just dry. You're just ready to be able to stop the madness. And even though it's fun, just pause for a moment and just drink deep once again of living water. You know, there are so many places where God whispers come in his word. He says, are you thirsty? Are you weary? Are you burdened? In all those places, Jesus spoke, come. And I believe that even though he was standing physically in front of people in those moments, that, that he's still whispering to our spirits, come. Recognize your need of me. In humility, come and I will restore your soul. I will give you living water that you can drink deep of that's going to cleanse and heal, but it will also satisfy and restore. And this morning, if you're exploring faith, Jesus is whispering to you, come. And he offers each of us living water that will satisfy and restore. And all we need to do is walk in the humility to recognize our need for him. We just need to recognize that on our own, we aren't enough. On our own, we're lacking. On our own, we are broken and sinful. And that's not an obstacle to get over where we need to attain some level of goodness or perfection when God will welcome us. Actually, that brokenness, it's in everyone, but that's the prerequisite. That sin nature, that's the prerequisite. That's why Jesus died for us. And it's being humble enough to recognize our need for him and then to surrender to him as Lord and Savior. That's it. We admit our need of Jesus. We believe that he is who he said he was, that he is God. He's also the lamb that took away the sins of the world as he died on the cross and rose again. And then we choose him as Lord and we choose to surrender to him and grow in relationship with him allowing his heart to rub off on us. 
where we try and emulate his life. We try and look more and more like Jesus each day. And if you have questions, or if you just want to talk with someone, you're ready to take that step, I would love to have a conversation with you. Absolutely. It would make my entire week. And maybe today you're with us and you know Jesus, but like me, you are just feeling dry. And you just need to sit for a moment and drink deep once again of living water. Well, I want to close this morning for you with a portion of a psalm from David. David, a man after God's own heart. David, one who walked so closely with God, wrote this from a dry place. And when we're in a dry place, I pray that this psalm, Psalm 63, would remind us to stop. Stop and allow God to fill each parched place. You, God, are my God, and earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there's no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you, and I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. So Father God, we come before you once again. I thank you that you recognize our humanity and you said if you're tired or thirsty or weary or burdened, that we could come. And in you is rest, and in you is healing, and in you is life, and in you is living water. And so we cry out from all of our collective places. Maybe some are oasises that are green and, and just full of fountains and rivers. And maybe some are feeling like the parched desert that David wrote about. We come to you. We come to proximity with you and we ask that you would restore, that you would heal, that you would pour your living water once again on all of our dry and weary and burdened. And I thank you that in your loving mercy, you always do. So we love you. We thank you that you are faithful. Would you help us to walk out this journey looking more and more like you in humility, recognizing our deep need for you. May we never stop needing you. In your precious name, amen. Well, thanks so much for being here with us this morning, friends. We have a few announcements, so I'm gonna throw it to some of our other pastoral staff to take that away. Well, I don't know about you, but I had so much fun at our like last preaching party where we like joined in the Olympics that were happening at the time uh, and did some of our own. Well, preteens, if you missed out on that, don't worry. We have another one coming up at the end of this month. It's going to be August 25th. Uh, here at the church at 6.30 p.m. Here's the thing though, you do have to register just so that we know how many people are coming. And so if you go to myevangel.church forward slash register, maybe elbow your parents right now, tell them to get on that website, you can register and we would love to see all of your preteens there for our next party. One thing that coming back together in faith community has shown us 
is how much we need each other. And the running of Evangel Church day to day is no different than the relational need we have of each other. Faith community works best when everyone uses their gifts and talents to serve one another and to glorify God. And so we want to invite you into a season of discerning where you fit in Evangel Church. We have a form at myevangel.church forward slash get involved, all one word, myevangel.church forward slash get involved that we would love for you to fill out and we can start walking through a season with you of finding your fit here at Evangel Church. It takes all of us. Faith community works best when we all, each of us, use our gifts and talents to serve one another and glorify God. Well, I have a really exciting opportunity to share with you guys coming up. September 12th, we are doing a Baptism Sunday. And so if you're wanting to be baptized to kind of show uh, outwardly what has happened as Jesus has changed your life within you, we want to invite you to that Sunday. But if you want to be baptized, we have a class coming up August 29th. You may have heard or seen that it's going to be at 1230. Scratch that. It's going to be right after our service. So right after the service, August 29th, if you go into our fellowship hall, which is on your right of the sanctuary, I will be there excited to just go over just a little bit of what baptism is as we look forward to that date coming up in September. And so if you're interested in that, please talk to me or any of our pastoral staff, and we'd be happy to answer any questions you may have. Well, here at Evangel Church, we believe that generosity makes room in our hearts for others. And one of the ways that we are generous here at Evangel Church is by coming alongside and partnering with the financial needs of the church. Now, those don't all stay here. We have different organizations we as a church partner with, as well as being able to be a blessing to the community around us. So if you wanna partner with what Evangel Church is doing here in Pell River and around the world, we invite you to explore giving at myevangel.church forward slash give myevangel.church forward slash 